0: Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions
1: of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. I'm I'm just saying from my heart to you as a pastor,
2: no matter what you do, I will have mercy on you. And I expect you to
1: always have mercy on one another. Amen.
2: Man is in jail. He's accused of sexually abusing a child. Jordan Webb is charged with second degree sex abuse. Court records show the victim was under the age of 12. Webb is being held in the Webster County Jail on $500,000 cash bond. It's it's never your position. To take god's position concerning
1: what he's to do a situation you'd be merciful you are listening to the preacher boys podcast a podcast shedding light on decades of mental physical and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental baptist movement the testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors not all legal outcomes are known or final any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty
0: in the court of law. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey everybody, on today's episode of the Preach Voice Podcast, I'm sitting down with Elizabeth Sine. She's a former student at Harvest Baptist Bible College in Fort Dodge, Iowa. We talk a little bit about the strange environment at the church and college, as well as the recent scandal with one of their missionaries, Jordan Webb. She knew Jordan from a very early age at Mountain View Baptist Church in Hesperia, California, and reconnected with him at college. For those of you that don't know, ex-missionary Jordan Webb was arrested on April 25, 2022, at the Fort Dodge home of Cameron Giovanelli, a registered sex offender who we've covered on the show before. According to testimony from Webster County Attorney's Office investigator Larry Headland, Webb was also driving Giovanelli's car that week. He was charged with second-degree sexual abuse with persons under the age of 12, a Class B felony, and incest, a Class D felony, as well as child endangerment, which is an aggravated misdemeanor. Marvin Smith IV, the assistant pastor and missions director at Harvest Baptist Church, submitted a letter in support of Webb for his bond hearing. In a text message conversation submitted in evidence by the state, Smith said to Webb, quote, I'm going to need to write a check to you for the lawyer fee. Pastor said it will look better than the church being responsible for extra costs after the $25,000, end quote. So clearly we have a church here that has a history of numerous allegations of abuse within their troubled teen home. They have a history of standing with predators and pedophiles like Cameron Javinelli and Jordan Webb. And in today's episode... While I'm not talking to someone directly connected to Webb or directly connected to the Giovanelli story, I am talking to someone who can give us a sense of boots on the ground, what it's like on the compound of Harvest Baptist Bible College and the church. Uh, This episode I think is really fascinating. My guest Elizabeth was absolutely amazing. I love talking with her and I know you're going to love hearing her insights. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into that interview. And I hope it opens your eyes to what the environment at this organization is like. All right, guys, let's get into the show. Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show.
2: Absolutely. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Glad to talk with you. And I I mean, Harvest has come up a billion times uh, now over the last two years, Um, different (laughs) stories. And um, I, I would say that People that listen to the show are not fans of of Harvest at this point, uh, probably for some valid reasons. But before we jump into that, which is I know what people want to hear about, I, I do want to go just back to the beginning of your story. Like, how did you get introduced to the world of independent fundamental baptists? Like, what was your kind of starting point with that?
2: My parents, my dad and my stepmom went to Mountain View Baptist Church in Hisferia, California, which is the same church that Jordan Webb. Um, was going to, he was actually a student in my, um, sorry, my dad taught Sunday school and all that, and he was one of the students, Um, but that's how I got started, but my parents ended up leaving Mountain View Baptist Church to go start another church called Mountain View Baptist Church in Cedar City, and we planted a church there. We stayed there for four years. They just celebrate their like 20th anniversary. I think it was last year. And then after four years, we moved to Salmon, Idaho, and we started Mountain View Baptist Church in Salmon, Idaho. The franchise
0: is strong, for sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. And um, that church completely failed. It was the most remote city in America at the time. It took two hours to drive to the nearest Walmart, and there were more bars than there were churches. And so that church just failed. And then I moved to Faith Baptist Church, where my uncle was the pastor. And through that, that's how I found Harvest Baptist Church, because um, Marvin Smith actually came to um, a spiritual warfare conference, and he was scouting out anybody who is in high school and telling them you need to come to this college god will lead you here if you all you want to do is ministry don't go to any of the other baptist colleges Mm -hmm. come ours because we focus on ministry what it meant means was they weren't accredited they weren't a real that's the translation (laughs) so that was my entire life
0: yeah yeah and it it kind of blew my mind when we talked. a little while back and you were you were saying oh he used to do those spiritual warfare conferences which it seems like he does those like twice a year at harvest but um i didn't know he took that show on the road and kind of oh, went from yeah. church to church doing it
2: the church paid for his flight for his hotels i mean it, nothing came out of pocket for him and then he would use the same exact curriculum um that he uses in the college because the spiritual warfare like Curriculum is a class in college that you take the entire time because they um. want sure you know what demons are and how to handle them, and that it's not you know it's not at all that maybe I was just you know pansexual this entire time it was a demon inside of me you know, mm. and they want to teach you how to defend against that, and it felt very like almost like an anime. Like, Mm. it was so weird from even my independent fundamental Baptist. Like, growing up, Harvest Baptist was a whole different extreme level. Yeah, when I pray, I'm praying in the name of Christ, through God. Yes, but listen to me carefully. Christ lives in me, and I can speak to the dark realm by
1: praying, warfare praying. Amen? Amen?
0: The way that they present it was just, yeah, it's very different than a lot of Baptist churches. I mean, some would get into demons and, you know, they would spiritualize, you know, if there was a bad news report, Oh, there's an attack. It's a satanic attack on the church, that sort of thing. But it seems like he really takes it to the next level uh, with his approach. And I mean, it really, you know, I try not to be the, I try not to be the tinfoil hat person and it's getting harder and harder not to be, not to be, but I feel like, you can look at certain people and the things that they preach the most about. And it's almost like they're prepping for something bad to happen and come out. So they've already got a pre-written answer, you know, and I see this with, you know, people that's, you know, just simple verses in the independent Baptist movement. Like, you know, Jesus said, if uh, people hate you, it's because they hated me first, you know? And so anytime that someone doesn't like you, it couldn't be that you're being a jerk It's because you're following Jesus and they hate that, you know, or if, you know, they say that you need to, you need to have a certain type of bus that's safer for the kids at your Christian school. Um, This was a common thing in California when they were trying to push people away from the older diesel buses. It was like the government is trying to attack Christian schools. And it's like, they're actually trying to protect kids at your school. You know, like it's just, it's just a bizarre thing that what gets labeled persecution what gets labeled an attack and um there's already this pre predetermined response to all those sorts of things
2: yeah and it's also like when I was there it was almost like you weren't a real Christian if you weren't being persecuted you weren't as if you aren't being persecuted you aren't doing things the right way because the world is supposed to hate us that's not exactly what they said, but that was exactly what was taught. Yeah. And I mean, even I think that's a thing within uh, fundamental Baptists in general. I remember being like eight years old and um, when Columbine and all that happened. And if we had to, it, would we sacrifice our lives for God if that was the case? And I remember yeah. sizing about that and how would I react? And it mm-hmm. it was just, it's so unhealthy. It's yeah. so, you yeah. going through these life-threatening situations and determining how to, as an eight-year-old, I'm willing to die for this religion that I didn't have a choice but to be in, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah, that, that was definitely something. Um I saw TikTok the other day. Someone was talking about that, like the the preaching about, you know, when you're a little kid in Sunday school and they're telling you about you know, Columbine. And this girl said, you know, I believe. And um, I remember stories of, you know, missionaries being in other countries, someone coming on the bus with a gun, you know, and like all those, all those things. And you're like, as a kid, you don't even know how to, you're just like, I hope that doesn't happen here. It feels like it could happen. And, you know, and um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing when you're, when you're a little kid who doesn't really even understand life and death at that point. Um, So Obviously, in retrospect, there's a lot of things we can look at and go, "You know, well, that's kind of crazy. Um, but you ended up going to harvest the college. so so did that happen out of feeling like you needed to or did were you bought in when you went like how at the time did it seem so off base?
2: Um, it to me, it felt like a natural flow of how my life was supposed to go. i had i mean, from the time. I can't even remember how young I was. I had dedicated my life to God. I went to Harvest Baptist to be a preacher's wife or a missionary's wife. That was my only life goal from childhood. I hmm. I wasn't, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I And you're be
0: only two doctor. options.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. and it was either go to West Coast Baptist College, which I wasn't going to be able to afford because I was going to be paying for college on my own. And I raised all of my money for um, the first year of harvest in a summer because it was like three or $4,000. And I was 16, 17 year old who was determined to do what was right.
0: Well, say what you will. That's pretty cheap. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I know. But they like, and that's why so many people go there is because I can get a college degree, and it's not a college degree; it's a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Learning theology, you know, it's not, it's yeah. not a degree, um, yeah. but they don't tell you any of that. So I was like, "Well, why am I going to go to West Coast when I can go here for cheaper mm-hmm. and be self sufficient and solely focus on getting my ministry started?"
0: Right? You know? How many? How many were there? Because like I had never even heard of the college. I mean, maybe I had, but I I don't recall ever hearing of Harvest. Like I've heard, you know, I grew up West Coast. It was like West Coast, Golden State, which we didn't like because we were on the West Coast and there was that rivalry that everyone knew. You know, you had First Baptist Church of Hammond, which were like kind of the old school group. You had Maranatha, you had Pensacola, Bob Jones, but it's like um, I have no frame of reference for Harvest outside of the last two years, just seeing all of the controversy that's come out of that school that has somehow slipped under the radar up until recently Um, at the time that you went how many students were actually at the college like what was the the environment like when you first arrived on campus
2: um so for every class combined I would say maybe maybe a hundred maybe and I don't even like and I feel like that is still including the Anchor home, even though that wasn't a college, but it was on the third level of the college building. So gotcha. they came to all of the lunches to all of the, you know, they were a part of everything, even though they were not even adults. Yet, yeah, I you was going to
0: say, because Anchor was like, I mean, minor, I mean, it was like preteen and teen, right?
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> it, okay. <laughs>
2: That was a horrible experience for them too.
0: Yeah. They absolutely
2: got it worse than we did by far.
0: Yeah. It was it was a yeah. That there's tons of bizarre stories just out of that, out of that group. Um I mean, so what was what was the experience like? I mean, being so you felt like it was a natural 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 progression. It was obviously you realize it was even crazier than the craziness that you were originally in. Um, how quickly did kind of the rose colored glasses fade after arriving or was it something where it was like, this is pretty cool. And then there was like a boom, this is really off, you know, like how did that kind of transpire?
2: So I would say it only took about two to three weeks for me to be like, this is weird. Something's not right. And there, so I got there, I moved into my dorm with two other girls, everything was going normal, Um, my dad promised me, because I wasn't allowed to date until I was 18, until I was graduated high school, so I could focus on my school, Mm -hmm. and my dad promised me, when you get to college, you're going to meet the man of your dreams, so you get to date, and I get there, I meet my now husband of almost nine years, Mm -hmm. and we start talking, and they they first of all didn't like my husband because my husband didn't grow up in church. He was sh- It was a way for him to escape mm-hmm. a really bad situation at home, but he, he had a regular brain, not a brainwashed one. Sure. <laughs> and he questioned every single thing that happened. Mm. And I gravitated toward him because I'm a very curious person and having someone the complete opposite of me, like he was just I love my husband he was he questioned everything and I love that because I had never really seen that in my life right I thought that's what Christianity is that the Bible says you have to question you know your preacher Mm -hmm. like right but at harvest you don't have that right you have to follow the rules exactly as they are and if you get questioned you pay or if you question them They don't like you and they start targeting you with more demerits. Every demerit is a dollar. And my husband, I think, owed a couple of hundred dollars, which he didn't have, you know. Um, But it was probably, I think it was three weeks because um, my husband had given me like a necklace and they literally took it away because Mm. they're like, you aren't allowed to date. You can't give gifts. You can't do anything. And then my husband ended up having a um, bleeding ulcer. And I mean, he was throwing up blood and had to be on a liquid diet and he did he couldn't afford to buy top ramen (laughs) Mm. and, um, the college refused to help him with that liquid diet. So I went to go, I bought him like a 20 pack of top ramen so he could, you know, not throw up and bleed. And they gave him demerits for that, like Mm. 50 demerits because he accepted a gift from me yeah and it was just the bible says nothing about that and even though I was raised fundamental baptist I was raised you know your doctrine back and forth and what the bible says is what the bible says you can't add and you can't subtract to it right and I noticed they were adding all these weird things and I was like that's not biblical
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and so yeah about three weeks and I didn't, me and my husband didn't even make it a full semester because we ended up having uh premarital sex in the chapel. Uh, oh, wow.
0: You left that part out when you first, when you first talked.
2: <laughs> um, and so. Um,
0: you're like, if you guys would have been okay with the ramen, we would have stopped there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, it's just when you're told no to something, human nature is you keep pursuing it. Mm-hmm. You know? like, and I knew my me and my husband were meant to be, and it that has been apparent throughout our entire marriage, and I'm mm. so glad. Um but we got kicked out and when we got kicked out, they took my debit card, they took my car keys, they took um my phone because they didn't want me to be in contact with Arthur. They kicked Arthur off the campus and then threatened the police or threatened to call the police on him for trespassing if he tried to come and get me because I wanted to leave with him Mm -hmm. I I was so done with the I mean I had been called a whore because I wore a maxi skirt and eyeliner and red lipstick at the same Mm -hmm. time and a very vintage look back then like I was not happy and um they ended up locking me in a room with another girl like a bodyguard another college student who was a senior at that time Mm -hmm. so that I couldn't do what I wanted and I thought that was normal because I I was so innocent I didn't know how the real real world worked um I didn't know that's false imprisonment that's Mm -hmm. exactly what it is
0: yeah but
2: and then my dad ended up flying to come get me and we drove the car back I was able to talk to my husband one last time on the phone before my parents cut off any contact and then it took about three months for me to find him we eloped and that's that (laughs) (laughs)
0: there you go yeah it's um it is an interesting thing because I look back you know at different stories and like even in my own life and it's like you look at like, well, we're going to call the police, you know, and it's like the, the police wouldn't have been pro them taking your debit card and your phone and your keys, you know, but it is when you're in it, it's like your chain of command in life is like there's the church and then there's like everybody else, you know, and if someone asked me that because, um, I, I, you know, anyone's listening to the show, you know, I, I, we had a sexual abuser that was relocated to our church when I was in high schooler. And I was the first one to find out. And I had a few people that have asked me, you know, why didn't you call the police or why didn't you do this? It, which I would have, I would recommend to myself if I knew what I know now. But at the time, it wasn't even an option in my mind. It was like, I'm going to tell my parents, my youth pastor, and the pastor, oh, they're not doing anything. We're stuck. <laughs> Checkmate, yeah. you know? And it's like, you know, at the time, I mean, he literally had a warrant. Out. Like if I would have called the police, he would have been arrested and taken back to Chico, you know? So it's like, it's things like that though, that just it, it, those environments can be so dangerous. And that's why I want to have you on, because obviously, you know, and we'll talk about Jordan in a minute, like, obviously you weren't a, a victim of abuse in that regard, Um, you know, from someone like that, but, you know, it, it's that old cliche saying, but it takes a village to raise a child takes a village to abuse one. Like there has to be a system in which abusers can thrive. And some of those things just come from ignorance on the part of the people who are in the congregation or or in the school. I mean, that's just and and I think that's evident through your story, just sharing that little detail. um, so thanks, thanks for doing that. so I, I do want to talk a little bit about Jordan because this is a like, it's a small world after all, you know. Like you were in Hesperia, California, at um Mountain View, which was actually, I think, I mean, it was pretty close to where we were at. We were in Banning, California. Okay. Um, and so I was familiar with the name of that church, and I'm pretty sure there was some crossover in some activities or events or oh, something. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, again, small world. Um, but you went to school with Jordan there, correct? Uh,
2: so, or- no, I. He was there every- before but, you. Yeah, he was there before us. His family ended up taking over the church when my great uncle went to go start Faith Baptist Church in Spanish Fork, Utah. So mm-hmm. um, they were very prominent. I mean, his parents were very prominent in the church. Um, every potluck was at their church They had or at their house. It- they had a really gorgeous pool, which I was always jealous of. Mm-hmm. Um I went on vacations with the Webb family to not Sperry farm. And I mean, I don't even remember what we were exactly doing, but I remember we were driving through St. George and we had to stop at a hotel. Like we slept in the same hotel room Hmm. as I mean, all the kids slept in the same hotel room, you know? And so, um, my dad also had this, um, list of people that, he had already approved for me to marry and Jordan Webb was absolutely one at the top on those lists because he was such a man of God. Mm. <laughs> it's so scary now, <laughs> you know, right. like. He oh fit the
0: God. mold of exactly what he's supposed to be.
2: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. My husband didn't, even though my mm. husband a man who's taken care of me for nine years, even though he went blind. Like my mm. husband is the best man in the entire world. And yeah. Everybody hated him, but Jordan Webb, everybody loved him. And now look, look what's happened, you know?
0: Yeah. Right. What what was, I mean, what was your take on him? I mean, were you interested at all or were you, did he, was he off putting to you? Like, I mean, cause the, the big question is always like, did anybody see that there were red flags around this guy? And it seems like no one did.
2: It, it came as a shock to me when I heard, when I saw the news on Facebook, but I was a touch deprived uh, puberty driven child mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah I all the people that my dad had on the list I would have been okay marrying because mm-hmm. I I just wanted to be loved mm-hmm. and if they loved God that much of course they would love me that much it was right. no my mom. um I there had always been these rumors or jokes that Jordan was gay because he was more effeminate Mm -hmm. than most other boys. And my dad was a little like, you know, he's just, that's just who he is. He's not actually gay, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. but he was always, I remember every single man in that church telling him that he needed to man up and that he shouldn't be that way. And that, that amount of shame mm-hmm. is will you will carry it for the rest of your life yeah. if you don't take care of it you know if you don't accept it and embrace who you actually are as a person you know
0: yeah and it, it, it's it's a brutal environment for that to be rumored about you um and you know and that's something that you know again again, like over the past couple of weeks, and you know, I've had i f b pastors that have you know gone on rants about me, and you know that's been he's gonna end up there, you know he's gonna you know and and my wife was like, why are they even like why are they even talking about that like it's such a so out of left field. I said that's the worst thing you could call somebody in that world like that is the worst insult you could give to a man in the i f b is that oh, you're gay, you know, like you've literally that that's like you know. The N word, not so much off limits, but that was a big, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, if you get called that, like, that's rough.
1: I'm concerned for people like Eric because they will suffer judgment. But I'm not going to lie about it. There's part of me that says he's been given over a reprobate mind. And if he is not moved to, I believe he has moved. Maybe he's not moved. He's always been there. But I believe he's very, very compassionate and accepting to the LGBT crowd and homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I think if if he's if he doesn't end up there himself, someone in his family will be. And it's just that's the direction right. it's going to go, and uh, that's You're that's right. that's where it goes. I
2: mean, and that was from while we were still in um, Hesperia. so I was still in first grade. And those room those rumors were flying, those statements right. were made. And it, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. So this was kind of the the rumors floating around him at the time, which can be, you know, it can be really rough and it can it can do a lot of damage to be just bullied in general. Um and I wanna just say right now as a disclaimer, that doesn't excuse any of the things that we're gonna talk about coming forward and a lot of really bad things happen to a lot of people um it nothing can happen to you that excuses you know the the type of acts that we're going to be discussing uh involving Jordan so I want to say that out of the gate but we can acknowledge that's a bad position to be in within that world that's a that's a tough place to be um it seems like the rumors were semi-correct we can talk about in a maybe 100% correct. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, But first, just tell me, so like you reconnected with him in college. So like when he, was he there already when you arrived? Did he show up at the same time? Like how did that happen?
2: He already been there for years. He, He, I'm pretty sure he was in his senior year and I was going into my freshman year. So there is some time apart, but him and my husband, um, share, they either shared the same dorm room. I can't quite remember that right now. I'm pretty sure they say, shared the same dorm room. Um, but, um, I can't remember what the word is. Is it not all right? Like the person who runs the dorms, like who looks oh, over,
0: uh, at- like dorm supervisor or home hall, yeah. hall, uh, I think in West Coast, yeah, West Coast. It was the dorms were, and then there was like a hall leader or something. I forget what it, yeah. what's called.
2: Yeah, but he was that, and he, you weren't allowed to like really have movies or anything like that. And yeah. Jordan would let all the boys watch like The Dark Knight and you know normal new movies, but. Would not ever be. I'm
0: going to get you back into today's episode in just a moment. But first, I want to thank the sponsor that is making today's episode possible. And that sponsor is Factor. Factor creates no prep, no mess meals. You can meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, no matter how many podcasts you're recording, going up and down the stairs, trying to take meetings, whatever you're doing, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And I can say this from experience. They were kind enough to send me a couple of meals for this week, and I enjoyed one just shortly before reading this ad. And it is amazing. And with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week you'll always have new flavors to explore. You can make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert and stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And these aren't meals that skimp on quality either. You've got things like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, and so much more. So if you want to try it, go head over to factormeals.com slash PreacherBoys50 and use code Preacher Boys 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code PreacherBoys50 at Factormeals.com slash PreacherBoys50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check out Factor and now check out the rest of this episode.
2: out in harvest you know? right so it, he was living one way for the church and then living a whole different way in the dorms
0: you don't say he was yeah. living two two different lives huh
2: it's interesting, right? well,
0: what a segue so and and abby was his wife which normally abby, yeah. right and, and i'll explain this later normally i wouldn't even mention her in the story but Part of her involvement in this situation makes me really upset. And so, um, and again, there's systems that protect these people. And um, one of the unfortunate things, and we talk about the nuance of this, is a lot of times that's spouses, that's family. Um, but you've mentioned to me like they were kind of the ideal IFP love story. Um, so she was she was the dean's daughter, he was like the all-star ifb preacher boy um so they they connected like where everybody i'm assuming was just hyped for that right
2: oh absolutely like everybody looked up to them i looked up to them that is the relationship i went to harvest to find and (laughs) it it was really infuriating to see how she treated um, other girls in her, because she was also dorm soup. So they were both dorm supervisors at the same time in their senior year. The year after I know they got married, and me, <laughs> um sorry, Abby really gets me frustrated because she's the one who really um, put a lot of hurt in my heart with Christianity because of how to speak to my How how I was acting and stuff like that. So I'm sorry about that. Um, but they were the perfect couple. They were going to be missionaries. They did everything right. They they were perfect in our eyes. Absolutely perfect in our eyes. We would never see a flaw from them, unless it was one on one in a dorm room where no one else can tell you you're no one else can um be there to witness it um and so that was frustrating but they were still the ideal couple they were still what i was reaching for when i went to harvest
0: yeah so everything from the church size was this is like the power couple they're gonna go do big things um and they got married and pretty much immediately out of college started headed mission field of mind yeah Jordan and Abby were privileged to personally lead dozens of teenagers to the Lord by going classroom to classroom
1: with the missions team when they visited the islands in March of 2016 The young people and teachers alike were hungry for further teaching but many have no way to travel to the nearest Bible believing church A regular weekly presence in the schools is necessary to keep new believers from falling prey to false doctrine Jordan's collegiate volleyball coaching experience provides another avenue to reach the young people through camps and regular coaching sessions. The webs have been extensively trained in biblical counseling, something the administration of the schools is also asking to receive. Harvest Baptist Bible College is working with dozens of national pastors throughout the Caribbean islands to create a network of local Bible institutes with a Bible college in St. Lucia where students who wish to complete a four-year degree can come to finish their schooling. Jordan is already involved in this endeavor,
0: and his private pilot's license will be a tool to more closely connect the and churches. To this point, you know, some rumors I'm assuming were still littering about, but overall it seemed like there, there was no warning sign of anything like what ended up happening.
2: I I would have never thought. I know um, Jordan ran the church uh, buses. He taught kids all the time. He, you know, that that was his passion and he was great with kids fantastic with kids and that's one of the reasons that he was on my list or my dad's list of you can marry this guy because he was so good with kids he had this goofy like aura about him and he just i my jaw dropped when I saw the article online I would have Mm. never in a million years thought that but that also taught me to never think about things like that or to even know what the red flags are signs of that are
0: yeah I I was on a podcast last night um and the the this their show hasn't launched yet but I'll, I'll link to it um in the show notes when it does um but it was on a podcast with three former Mormons and they were asking me questions about clergy abuse and and things like that. And they asked that, they said, what are some of the red, what are some of the warning signs or, or how do we identify predators? And I said, well, the bad news is you're probably not going to be able to like the, the people who are predators are just that, you know, like if you think about the word and you think about animals that are predators, what are they really good at? They're good at blending in, They're good at looking inconspicuous until they attack or until they strike or until they do whatever their goal is to do. And so it's not Hollywood has programmed us. I sound like Marvin Smith. Hollywood (laughs) is programming us. um, But Hollywood has programmed us to look for this greasy tattooed guy with a scar on one cheek in the back, you know, with a twirling a pocket knife, like full blown, like Clearly this is like the most villainous figure that you can imagine. And it's not usually that person. Like it is usually the person, it's not the person in the back row of the church who's sitting there doing all that. It's like maybe the guy on the platform that 400 people think is the greatest thing that's ever happened to evangelicalism, or maybe it's the guy who just got married to this bride and they're going to go off to the mission field and help kids. Like, it's the most unsuspecting person many times. And that's a really scary thing. And it's easy to become very cynical and look at everybody a second time. Um, but I think that's important for people to realize is like, you know, it's, it's terrifying now watching their missions deputation video and like how much it mentions, you know. And someone got after me a little bit for this cause like I, I shared a clip and they were like, you're taking out of context but it's like the whole video is about him wanting to work with kids. Like it says something about it being one of the, you know, and I'll play the clip. So people don't, you know, if I say the wrong word, they're not going to pull that out and use that as a rebuttal, but it's, it talks about like his number one, one of his number one priorities was working with the schools there and working with kids and coaching, you know, coaching kids in soccer and volleyball. And, you know, like that was part of the plan. And, I'm sorry. I don't believe that that was just an accidental thing in his mind. I don't think it was necessarily in Abby's mind. I'm not accusing her of that um, at all, but in his mind, like you can't tell me that that wasn't a intentional move, you know, right? that's my opinion. And that's my, (laughs) you know, whatever. Like uh, I know people are going to pick apart every word that I say from Harvard, but uh, sorry, where there's smoke, there's fire. Like there was so much emphasis. And then to um for those who are listening to this point, I haven't said, you know, what's happened. Um, But for those who are listening who haven't seen it, I mean, Webb was charged this year with child molestation, incest. I mean, he's a bad guy, you know? And, And again, that doesn't... There's too much strategy involved with these guys always. There's always more than one victim. There's always, like... And he built a life for himself to have access to kids. And to me, that's a really scary thing. And it's scary because before, without knowing that information, his video just looks really noble. Like his goals yeah. look noble.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's really, it's really scary. It really, really is scary. It did make me go back and re look at my life and be like, was if this is what was. The product of the teachings that I was under and he was under. Who else could be like this? Who else is a victim that we don't know? You know, it's just, it makes you question everything and you start to feel like, okay, I really wasn't a cult. It like, it solidifies a lot of mm-hmm. things, but it tears at the foundation of my entire life. And mm-hmm. so, it's very it's a weird the last year has been very cr- weird and crazy and i have been a lot more focused on trying to pinpoint how to keep my kids safe and mm-hmm. how to keep my goddaughter safe and right mm-hmm. now it's i'm not they're not going to ever go to church and mm-hmm. that'll take a lot of that out yeah <laughs> but you right. know
0: yeah it's um it's a lot to unpack. And especially when you see the responses from the church, you know, and this is where, you know, again, I never blame a church. And I, and I, you know, at this point, I've done so many interviews, like, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing something someone else has said in the past. Um, and I think maybe it was Stacy shiblet that talked about it. But like, things are going to happen in ministries. Like when you have people all in a room together, or all, you know, 100 people, a couple of those people are going to be Bad people. And if you have a ministry for 50 years or a company or a school, like there will be a bad event that happens at some point. And I don't hold a church accountable for that at all until they respond in a way that's negative, you know. And consistently, Harvest has taken steps that I believe show victims that they don't matter and show abusers that they have a safe haven there. Um, you know, you see this with welcoming Cameron Chevenelli with open arms, you look at all the history of the Inker character training center, you know, you look at having a convicted sex offender living at ACTC. You look at with Jordan Webb, um, you know, I have the news article pulled up. They helped with his legal fees, yeah. um, when he was posting bail. Um, they helped pay for the fee for the lawyer. And that's not me. Again, that's not me tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. Like that's there's literally evidence submitted. It's you can look this up. You can search for this if you're at Harvest listening to this, which I'm sure there's some people that are. I mean, you can go and find this stuff. Um, literally, there's a text conversation submitted and evidence by the state. Marvin Smith, the the son of the senior pastor, um, texted to Webb, "I'm gonna need to write a check for you for the lawyer fee." Pastor said it'll look better than the church being responsible for extra cost after the twenty five thousand dollars. Like this is tithe and offering money going to a pedophile. Like, yeah. And like at that point, why is anybody in a pew Sunday morning is my question. Like, like how, how do you sit there and justify that and know that, that you're literally your pastor's son and, you know, and the pastor himself had this plan of like, how do we hide this from the church that we're going to help this guy out? Like that's, that's wild to me that they still have a congregation at all.
2: So an interesting thing about their offerings when I was in college there and, um, uh, (laughs) and we ended up moving back to Fort Dodge after we got kicked out because we thought that was God's calling and it was just brainwashing. But as a married couple, how they would hold offerings, especially if there was like something specific they needed. And it's not like they would lock the doors and force people to do it, but we need to raise two thousand dollars tonight for yeah. this thing. And until that two thousand dollars is pledged by enough people in the church, they just keep asking. They won't yeah. move on to service. They don't do it. like they We're gonna
0: sing just as I am for the next, you know, yeah. three hours if we have to. We're gonna get this offering in.
2: Yeah. Uh, which right. that I, we, I personally, as a college student, remember pledging money, even if it was like $25 to something, but I felt like, Oh, no one else is raising their hand right now, but this is a need that God is calling us to yeah. give to I'll raise my hand. Okay. Here, I, I can only give $25 because I only get $400 a month mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Right. And they guilt you and put the fear of God into you. And Mm -hmm. if you don't do it, you're not a good person. You're not a child of God or a good child of God, you know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of pressure. Um, and And like I said, they've kind of pre set the stage for this sort of stuff to happen and be explained away. What's interesting to me, And again, this was a conversation that came up last night and I was being interviewed. And so I got to think through, because usually I'm thinking through what I'm going to ask somebody. And then they were asking me questions and I was thinking about it. And I was like, it really is. I don't understand whether we're talking the Mormon church, the Baptist church, the fill in the blank, any organization that's covered this stuff up. Um, What's the benefit of protecting these guys? Because like you mentioned, you having consensual se- consensual goodness gracious you having consensual sex with another adult is like you are sh- like you will never be pure again like you are you are You are even now married. I mean, if you were to like, that would be something where like, Hey, she did that. Did you guys know that, you know, that that's like the scarlet letter on you, you know, if you were to be caught going to the movies, like if you were to be caught, like if you were to go to church only Sunday mornings, you know, like you are this wicked, horrible person. But then, you know, the next day after this guy gets arrested for pedophilia and incest and, you know, I mean, admitted to an affair that happened on the mission field with men on the mission field, it's, it's like the next day, it's like, we're going to preach about grace and forgiveness and mercy. And, and I (laughs) guess I, I just don't understand why there's such an outpouring of grace specifically on pedophile, because it is specifically for that category. There is this immense amount of grace, but not for any other lesser offense.
2: I feel it's not necessarily about giving grace to the person. It's about saving face as a church.
0: But don't well, you think it would save more, like logically following that, wouldn't it save more <laughs> face to address it and say, we've found, because I feel like the community would, would, and we've seen this with like Stacey Sheffield is the only example I can think of that's actually really done this uh, in a public way is like the community goes like, that church, even if they go like that church is weird and like, I wouldn't go there or whatever, like they have respect for him and that situation, how it was handled. Right. Like that's a plus I, positive for them.
2: They're not looking for, um, they're not looking for the outside view. They don't care about them. They want to save them, but they don't actually care about who those people actually yeah, are
0: until they're on the inside.
2: Right. Um, until they're getting their money, <laughs> but they care about how they look within their church and when they see this prominent perfect example be struck down it's they can't handle it because they supported that they they have monetarily um, supported it. and that collective guilt they they can give it to god and all of that guilt goes away So that's they don't care about the other people that are looking from outside the church being like, why are you protecting a pedophile? Well, in God's eyes, he's forgiven now. And Marvin Smith talked about that the night after
1: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, the article came up on Facebook and it went public. And I, I know I sent you videos, but I, me and my husband were sitting there infuriated, like Marvin Smith almost said or basically said no matter what you do as your pastor, I will always show you mercy. Mm -hmm. And that's, I didn't experience mercy when I got kicked out for having consensual sex. Like you said, I, my husband didn't get mercy. My cousin didn't get mercy when they exercised her because she liked Disney villains. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But Jordan Webb, who has, hurt who has hurt kids Mm -hmm. he gets all of the mercy because that is their idol they've made every single college student every single young couple married couple they've made them look up to them and now they've lost the trust of Mm -hmm. their should lose the trust of their people but if you say well god wants us to forgive that's what they're going to do because they want to please god first yeah she's first others second yourself last yeah. that's how you experience joy
0: yeah. you know and do you, so you think some of that is just they don't want to admit that their system broke or that they that they that they were wrong like do you think some of it's just literally hey let's not look at this because he's he was the golden boy we don't want to admit that we messed up we missed everything involving this and there's something bad here like
2: that's what I personally believe because they say in church that pride is the root of all evil, mm-hmm. the root of all sin. So in my eyes, their pride of them being this shining example to the community, like they say they are is now gone.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's just, I believe it's just saving face. There's yeah. Yeah. no other morally right person would protect someone like that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's it's just another it's another scary story out of a organization that's flooded with them um and i i appreciate you kind of sharing the perspective of what it was like inside because again um i don't just inherently hold the church responsible when something happens until stuff like this happens over and over and over again. And the response is the same over and over and over again. And it's been made very clear where the church stands with this. And, and even with family, I mean, in many ways, you know, I have sympathy for Abby because I know how little voice women are given within this world, but also it's, it's, it's very much the same as the Anna Duggar conversation, you know, a few months ago. Yeah as a parent myself like to testify that like to testify that he's not a flight risk you know like to go out of your way to give credence to his character after this sort of stuff happens i just can't justify that and 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 again like i said with Anna Duggar because i had people who are outside of this world and this movement say you don't understand they're in a cult or they you don't understand they're brainwashed like I was raised in the same environment and the minute that I saw like child abuse being covered up, even as a 11th grader, I was like, okay, this is wrong. Like, and anyone who doesn't agree it's wrong is wrong. Like it was a clear line in the sand. And I just, I'm just tired of giving people a pass because, oh, they're quote unquote brainwashed or they're like, at the end of the day, like you have to understand, like if, if someone's hurting a child, like that shouldn't. Like, I just can't give caveats for that. I can't give caveats for like, how do you, you know, oh, you don't feel like that's that big a deal or you, you know, it's, or you feel like you need to defend that person in some way. Like, I just can't wrap my head around it. Um, That seems to be the posture of that entire cult in the middle of, you know, in the middle of that campus. Like, it seems like it's, we're going to stay in united front and protect this guy. And I, I don't get it, you know, for the life of me.
2: So, also within that same uh, sermon, um, you could tell he, you could tell uh, Marvin Smith was trying not to specifically say wh- what was going on and why he was preaching about this, but he also said something along the lines of, "You need to continue to funnel mercy into each other because you never know." when you're going to need that mercy back and without saying he completely justified the crime and diminished the victim
0: yeah when it's that old idea in that world of like you fall into it you know and again i've said this before like there's certain things you can you know find yourself falling into like i think you know, I think you can say that when someone, you know, builds too close a relationship and has an affair, you know, like I see there are things, there are roads that lead you to things. Like that is a true statement. There are decisions you make that become bigger decisions that child abuse is like not on a path that any normal person can just, oh, oops, I traveled too far. You know, and I think a lot of times in IP circles it's like well he was watching a lot of pornography and you know and then he veered off and eventually became a pedophile or oh he was you know he was watching the wrong kind of movies or he was listening to the wrong kind of thing or he was having an affair and then it kept getting worse and where, you know like that's not a trajectory thing like it is a you don't fall into this like you construct and build a life that gives you access to do this like it is a strategy there's grooming upon multiple levels of this like it's a plan you know and so to treat it as though like oh you drank too much and now you have a drinking problem or yeah. you were too friendly with this person at work and built a relationship and had an affair consensually with that person which is still bad but you know it, it's still a adult, you know, like this is a totally different thing. And, and to see it get lumped in with this idea of like, yeah, hey, you might need this someday. It's like, I know for a fact, I'll never need that mercy. Like, yeah. I know for a fact that I'll never need that grace in that area ever. Like that is not a path that no matter how far off the Christian base I got, that's not where my path is, you know,
2: It's a conscious decision. And even in the Bible, God tells us that we have free will, right? We're never, God is never going to force us into something. And the devil is never going to force us into something. That's part of the free will. And I have been around children my entire life. Like I am a woman that was raised in church. Never once has it ever gone through my head to do something to harm a child. It's a conscious decision that you made in that moment, and you have to be held accountable for it because if you're not held accountable, you're how are you going to ever accept that that's what you did and actually change what's going on in your brain or what's going on in your heart or your soul or whatever? No. like you have to make that conscious decision, but religion doesn't want us making cons conscious decisions um they want us to
0: suppress and conform
2: (laughs) absolutely so it's something that as humans we have evolved to have this in us to know what's morally right and morally wrong people who weren't raised in church know to not hurt children that is Mm -hmm. that's just what that is yeah and for him to be raised to know that children are innocent i mean the church is obsessed with having faith like a child oh, and right. all of that and then you go and do it mm. that's worse in my mind
0: yeah like absolutely.
2: i hope that makes sense
0: yeah no, no absolutely does um but again i mean I, I think we'll uh i think from this point on we'll just agree uh <laughs> we'll just continue agreeing uh over the next uh next couple of minutes but um, I, it's just a, at the, at the end of the day, you sit there and just go, why, like, how does this happen? Why is this happening? And the only people that will ever truly understand that is the people doing it, you know, but on the, on the outside, I just, I mean, when a church shows its true colors, listen, when someone shows their true colors, listen and get out of there. And I, and I just, that's my message, I guess, to the harvest crowd is like, What if it's your kid next? Or what if it's your, and like, you've seen how this, what if it's you next, you know, in some case, like you've seen how the church is handled it historically, like there's no reason to linger and stay and assume it's not going to be you or assume it's not going to be somebody else. Um, It's just a question of when, when's the next thing. And that's, you know, I don't, you know, and I know whatever legally, you know, I don't have any info that says there's going to be a next thing, but I've just seen, Speaking from opinion and experience, like there will be something else because people are going to keep flocking to that place that's safe for them as predators. Um, but thanks again for giving kind of an insight to kind of the inner workings of the church and the school, um, and for taking time to do that. I know, um, there's part of when you leave, you don't want to ever talk about it again. And then part where like, you absolutely want to talk about it because it's so bizarre. Um, there's not a lot of frame of reference for it. Um, but thanks again for taking time to do this. I, I really do appreciate it very much.
2: Uh, thank you so much for having the opportunity to let me tell my truth and to let me stand up for what's right. And having this opportunity means so much more than you ever know. It's healed a lot of the hurt that has happened to me because it, it the hurt that has happened isn't justified anymore. And having that, I'm so excited for my next phase of life to be able to move forward from this, be able to put this behind me, and but to still continue to fight for what's right.